really it's just about being being online now i think you know and I, I said at the start we we're just trying to figure out ways that we can sort of bring the audience into us uh, rather than sort of having this discussion that we're ha having now which is kind of in a, a 2d fashion so how do we bring people into our world talking speed how did your business got uh, blocked by this situation or were you able to keep momentum and uh, how did you do it i didn't keep momentum i had a, a bit of a a bit of a, a lull there for a while and they're looking at and i think any business probably did to some some degree even if things were going quite well still you still had a bit of a period where you're slow because you had to figure out what your next move was going to be and i think that takes a little bit of time even for the most agile of uh of leader but um look we've we've been all right i mean things have, have slowed down you know we're not, we're not i'm not traveling i'm not i'm not being in all the places i used to be um a lot of the events and conferences that i was going to be speaking at throughout this year have either cancelled put off until next year or move virtually which is where most of my work's been now so really it's just about being being online now i think you know i said at the start we we're just trying to figure out ways that we can sort of bring the audience into us uh, rather than sort of having this discussion that we're having now which is kind of in a, a 2d fashion so how do we bring people into our world um and let them escape the computer for a while what I found interesting in the, I guess, the speaking industry, the education kind of space that I'm in is that, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of people are saying, how, how can we expect people to sit in front of a computer for three, four, five hours, like they would at a, at a, at a conference? And I believe you can make people do, do that because people sit in front of a TV for three or four or five or six hours. It just means that you have to make it extremely entertaining and very, very engaging like a, t a TV show is. Uh, and that's really what we're working on now is like how do we just use the tools that, that these new platforms enable us to use. Um, and another clever idea is too that we're trying to figure out to make sure it's that kind of movie experience rather than just me presenting to a screen. Um, so that's really what, what we're doing now. But, you know, it's, things are picking up again because people now are getting used to this whole virtual idea. And I think moving forward, it will probably be something that is still going to be around. I mean, for me, this is, this is a, a, a long-term thing. I don't see this as just the filler between now and when we go back to normal, whatever that means. Um, I think this is, uh, this is going to be something that's around for a long, long time. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad that I'm forced into fi figuring out right now. In preparing for this, you spoke about disruptive emotional automation. What's that? Well, those negative emotions, those emotions that disrupt your day, your week, your hour, you know, the ones that you try and avoid, but um, you just can't, right? For whatever reason they come up. That's the disruptive emotions. The reason I say automation is because, you know, we can, we can have strategies to overcome those emotions, you know, and that's, I guess, stimulus and response. Where I think most people are aware of that thing. Stim you get stimulated by something, you, ha you have a response. And in the past, it was all about really... Um, you know, taking time before you responded, so you did the correct correct response. But I don't think we live in a world where we have a privilege to uh, the privilege of time, because the world moves too quickly. 
So rather than thinking about how you're going to respond to this fearful moment or this anxious time or this uncertainty, I think that you already need to have a strategy to overcome it when it arises that is on automation. So therefore you just move through that sticking point rather than having to stop, think about it, and then try and move through that moment. I think there's a lot of things that you can predict quite, quite, quite easily. You know, I, I know, for example, that tomorrow I've got a, a whole bunch of conversations I don't want to have. So I have to deal with those emotions because they're going to ha happen. Um, there's, there's some other things tomorrow that I'm a little bit fearful about, but I've already got strategies in place for that. So tomorrow when that feeling comes up, I shall just glide through it. At least that's, that's what it's supposed to be in principle. But um. It's just about having strategies in advance. And I think, you know, we, going forward, I think we all know what we're going to have to do. You know, we have to deal with uncertainty, so we're going to need some courage. Um, things are going to keep changing and very, very quickly, so they're going to be very un un unstable times. And you know what, those, that, what feelings they throw up for, for, for yourself, right? You know you're going to be anxious, you're going to be overwhelmed, you're going to be tired, you're going to be stretched. There's a whole bunch of things that you know are, go are going to happen. And my advice to people is that, well, you need to have some strategies now to move through those because you don't have time to think about it in the moment. And fear is a classic one there because the thing is with fear is that we can, we can have the stimulus of fear and then figure out how we're going to respond to that. But the thing is with fear is that if it was a monster, a real monster, um, you know, its favorite food is time. So the longer you live it, the harder it gets. So I've never really understood this idea of feel, feel the fear and do it anyway, because I think once you felt the fear, it's almost too late because it's all encompassing. So I think it's about acknowledging fear as soon as you feel it and then having something that automatically helps you get through that moment and take a step forward when, when fear arises. Beautiful. The highest calling right now is to be of service. So the best sales is to not sell at all, but instead to serve the people you care about. Selling is telling. So who do you serve? And how do you serve them? The quality of this experience makes the difference. If you want our experts to go over your current sales funnel and really dive into the experience and the needs of your clients at each conversion point and make it a wow experience, then you're in luck because we have an exercise for you. Our 15-minute sales audit and one-on-one -on -one coaching with a world-class sprint coach. Fill out a couple of questions about your sales funnel and you will have clarity. In your personalized coaching session, you will get clarity on your number one bottleneck, three ideas on how to accelerate your growth, and a tangible sales map on how to double your conversions. Go to strategysprints.com slash sales and do our 15-minute free sales audit today. You also said establish a personal motive is something that CEOs right now should do. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, well, we mentioned it previously before. I mean, a personal motive is obviously it's something that, 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 that motivates you, you're driven by. And I think, it, like I said before, it has to be something that's, that you're emotionally connected to. You know, I think it's something that you, you, it's, it's something I think you can't really explain. And I think if you can't explain what it is, it's probably then pretty powerful. I think it has to be that kind of profound to some degree. 
you know, I can't really tell you why I go and throw myself into some of these risky things that I go and do other than to research them and establish, you know, the, the outcomes of those things. But really, why would, for example, why would I go and choose to run around the base of an exploding volcano while it's this rock raining down from the sky? I mean, most people can't work that out. And I don't really have an answer for them. I can't actually say, oh, why did I do that? Because of this. It's not really what it's about. It's something I can't, I can't explain. But what I do know is that if I don't do it, I'm not happy. And it's, again, going back to that, that light and, and dark or that black, that that black and white kind of thing it's kind of for me it's kind of like it's it's a love-hate relationship I, i'm not a huge believer that you have to be passionate about the thing that you're necessarily aiming for because the road to to get in it, it destroys your passion it's awful and sometimes i question myself and go i don't know why i'm going down this path other than i know that i should do and it's really really uncomfortable why i'm doing it it's just emotionally driven. It's almost like being, I guess, how a junkie must be. You know, they just need that fix. And what they'll, they'll do anything to get that fix. And I think it comes from a place of in, intuition. I think intuitively, people know what they're supposed to do and, and which path they're supposed to go, go down, but they don't. And I think that's because intuition often tells you what you need to hear and not what you want to hear. But when you choose that intuitive path, that one that actually looks really, really hard and difficult, ultimately that's the one that makes you happy. So it's really finding what that thing is, that, that, that personal motive, that thing that really drive, drives you. Because the thing is with, with goals, they don't really count as, as a motive because goal, goals only guide us, they don't drive us. They're just the goalposts. You know? So you need to find that thing that's so profound that you almost can't explain it. Uh, and the only way I've ever tried to try, try and explain that to people is that if you think of a, a, of a loved one, be it a, a sibling, a pet, um, you know, your mum, your dad, um, your wife or whatever, um, and you, can you sum up in one sentence why you love that person? No, because there's a trillion different ways why you love that person. You just can't explain it because the answer is you just do. So, you know, I think that's, that's where you need to get to get to is that thing where you just go, I just... I don't have a choice. I have to go and take myself down this route that's going to be massively uncomfortable because I, I just have to, not necessarily because I want to. I think there's a big difference there. Cool. What's your personal vision? On the whole or from which part of my life? I mean, so many different visions for different sort of areas of your life. Um, Look, I'm, I'm just happy following my, as I said before, my, my intuition, my intuitive side. I find when I don't, when I go against that, it's when I tend to be un, uh, unhappy. But that doesn't mean when I'm in the middle of following the road, the intuitive road, that I'm necessarily happy because it's tough. Um, but I just know it feels right and it always leads to some great things. Um, so, I mean, vision's a hard one because it. Ch I find my vision changes all the time. The thing I'm kind of, my my vision in terms of what I, what I see for myself in the future changes a lot. Um, my motive remains the same though. And I think that's really, really sort of crucial because, you know, when everything around you changes, you need that motive to stay exactly the same, right? You want to just, that's the thing that anchors you to the ground where the, where the, the times are crazy around you. Um, so yeah, it's hard my vision. I have different visions for different parts of my life and that vision changes sometimes on a, on a weekly basis, depending on what's going on. I mean, my vision before COVID probably is very different to now COVID's here. 
and it'll probably, ch it'll probably change again when COVID's over. So it's really hard to say that this is my vision for, for the future because it just changes so much. And you also run a business, so you have also a company vision. How do you create that, align that? Yeah, well, that's different again, you see, it's because obviously it's not my personal vision there. But um, look, we just want to be able to, to educate as many people as possible, help them move through all these sticking points that, that is day-to-day -day life. I mean, it's not, it's not rocket science. And I think sometimes people need to just be reminded of it's the simple things, you know, the very simple and basic things that, uh, that really matter or really help you achieve something. You know, it's, it goes back to, I guess, just even looking at most people, well, everybody, I think, educated, uneducated, fit or unfit, um, could probably tell you what you need to do to lose weight and be, be healthy, um, which is eat less and exercise or eat healthy and exercise. I think everybody knows that, intuitively knows that, but no one seems to seem to do that, you know. Um, so for us, it's just about just reinforcing and educating people that, you know, it's actually easier than, than you think. Um, Yeah, or simpler. It's simpler than you think. It's not always that easy. Cool. Was there something that I forgot to ask, Richard? <laughs> well, I don't know. You tell me. Um, what you forgot to ask? Um, no, I don't think so. It dep depends where. What you want? You want to know? I guess. I mean, I'm, I. I think people often. What people don't often ask, I think, is what type of person I am because I think often people assume that I'm, I'm a particular person because of the things I go and do. Um, I think a lot of people might think that, um, well, I know this because they tell me sometimes that I'm courageous and, and uh, you know, and I must be fearless and these kind of things. And that's completely the opposite, actually. I'm quite the opposite to that. Um, I'm actually quite childish in my own mind. And that doesn't mean that I do stupid things, though I do that too. Um, but I can often think like a child in my own head. Uh, and that's a good and a bad thing because it means that I have some innocence at times, um, which can be good when you're stepping into a crazy adventure, just to be innocent. I don't know any, any different, but that doesn't necessarily work when I'm in a, board, a boardroom speaking to some senior, senior executives or trying to have a discussion with my family about something quite serious, you know. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm often quite fearful and uh, as much as I like the unpredictable stuff, it doesn't mean that it doesn't scare me. And, um, and I'm not necessarily the person that I think, based on the things that I do, I think. I think a lot of people just think that I'm something completely different when I'm not that person at all. How do you manage to protect the childlike curiosity and openness when things get, get hard, when you get... Um, When, when you have pushbacks and, and you feel the urge to close again, how do you keep childlike and, and curious? Yeah, well, I think, I think, I think, well, at least my child behavior is probably more of not closing up because, you know, children are, again, are quite innocent to stuff. They don't know any better. I mean, most children are quite courageous, at least when they're younger, um, happy to go and put their fingers in electrical sockets even though they've been told not, not to, they're going to check it out for themselves. Uh, I think I'm more that curious kind of child, you know, so I'm, I, I don't call, curl up into a ball. But then saying that, you know, the things we've spoken about today are, are the things that do keep me on track. It's knowing that this, this is my motive. This is the thing that drives me. I don't, I'm not going to curl, curl up into a ball because I, I, have to do, I have to do this. 
and I'm going to die trying, literally. I've got myself in situations where I've nearly had my leg amputated because I've had that thing I needed to do so much that I pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed to the point that I got rushed to a hospital. Now, I'm not saying that people need to go and make themselves sick in that, in that way, but I think that's how powerful your motive needs to be. You do something that no matter what happens, this is what is going to happen. And this is where, this is where I'm heading. Thank you so much, Richard. Pleasure. <laughs>